Welcome to Beyond the Crops, the podcast where we share the real and raw behind the scenes of conventional farming and what it's like to raise a family on America's back roads. I'm Jenna. And I'm MP. In this episode, we're diving into the nitty gritty behind planting season on our operations. When you eat a banana, (laughs) I don't know where this came from. I just ate one and I teach my kids that, you know, like when you go to open a banana and if you use the stem end, especially if a small child does it, the top gets all like mushy. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? Because if it doesn't snap, nice. If you flip the banana over and open it from the bottom, you just like use your nails and like set my my two-year-olds can do it. Separate the bottom. That doesn't happen. That's how monkeys do it. That we do it that way here, and okay. I think. Dang it! I, I thought know. I was gonna like teach you something new, but that's okay. You taught you taught someone, Jenna, and yeah, that's important. For sure. yeah. <laughs> because yes, we've had that before. I can't remember. I think one of my brother in laws, like Hank, was opening the banana that way because that's how we do it, and he was like making fun of Hank for doing it that way. But uh-huh. it's the smart way. It's like, also a yeah. handle too. Then the stem yeah. becomes a handle. Absolutely. Yeah. That's you definitely helped somebody. A toddler. Good. <laughs> So it's sort of almost planting season, right? Yeah. I mean, Levi's honestly planted beans in March before, but that didn't happen this year. And the legal, legal, I use lightly, but the crop insurance plant date for our area is April 10th for corn, but it's obviously well past April 10th and we have not started planting corn. And we had really cold weather here in Nebraska over the weekend. Actually, my furnace broke. It was all 70 all last week. It was beautiful. I had my AC on. My furnace broke and it was 58 in my house this morning. Uh, <laughs> the soil temperature dropped six degrees over the weekend, which doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're talking about getting seeds to germinate, that's kind of a big deal. So the 13, Levi looked it up this morning, the 13 year average for soil temperature on this date is 46 degrees. And over the last 13 years, it's been the average. And today it's 40. So I don't think we're planting. We're definitely not planting today. (laughs) You guys have like a lot more details on that than I do because we planted last week a lot in a very short amount of time and we got snow today. So I think... I don't know. We, I was talking to Josh about this because we buy our own private crop insurance too. And we have insurance, like the seed companies also have some like insurance in case you have to replant mm-hmm. and planting when we did, even though we knew the forecast was, was going to turn, we really aren't out anything besides if we have to do it again, which is right. the time, you know, we're kind of under the, like if the temperatures are right, plant, don't think about what might happen in the next few weeks. If the temperatures are right, just plant. That's how, that's kind of our mindset. Right. And so for us, the risks uh, weren't outweighing the rewards because there's a lot of data on early planted soybeans, especially, and getting a longer season for them. And like, you know, beans planted in April versus beans planted in March, you can really see a great increase in bushels just from that time. So I think it was, I mean, even if we do have a failure this first round, like it was worth the shot at this point. Absolutely. Levi, like I said, has planted beans in March before and People thought he was crazy, but he was like, I just, this is, it's going to work. I think like, I'm going to try it. And they took forever for those plants to emerge, but those were the best soybeans we've ever grown. It's amazing yeah. what they can go through in the mm-hmm. ground. Yeah. What does your week look like this week, Jenna? Well, it's Levi's birthday week, which means it's your birthday <gasps> week too. Levi and MP yeah. have the same birthday, same year. <laughs> They're the same age. Exactly. <laughs> Do you know what time he was born? Ooh, no. I'll ask his mom, though, because she'll know. We got to find out. I was like 5.30 in the morning. 
Yeah. Well, he was a C-section, so was, if that was a scheduled C-section, it was probably in the morning. Those I don't know. I'll have to ask. back then. Well, my mother-in-law had help syndrome, which I don't know if you know what that means, but it's an obstetric, can be an obstetric emergency. Um, so once she kind of started trending those way, they just went ahead and did the C-section, which, yeah, is not as likely back then, especially being her first baby. But um, I'll have to ask her. I'll find out. Stay tuned. We must know. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, so usually this time of year we're planting. And so uh, I actually made plans on Levi's birthday with some friends from work. They always do baby showers after you have a baby from work. And there's five of us that had babies in the past like couple months. And so they planned it on Levi's birthday. And I was like, oh, that's fine. It's Levi's birthday, but he'll be in the field. And now he's not going to be in the field. And he's kind of sad. But I'm like, it's okay. We're going to have things on Thursday. (laughs) <laughs> oh no that's rough but i get it it's really hard to make plans this time of year <laughs> oh yeah absolutely yeah the weather's not g- looking good for us either for planting this week but um we talked about recording uh podcast this week or today and i was a little bit bummed because my hair has so many grays popping through and we're actually recording on video too so it can be posted to youtube so if you guys want to watch us that's where you go is to youtube um, anyway, don't because I have gray hair. So wait until I get my hair colored for my birthday and then you can come watch. <laughs> that's you know, going to be my gift to me. I'm glad you're doing that, but that's like a self-care thing that should always be a gift to you. Actually, there's a, a, a friend that I have in town. She has five kids, five kids, uh, all girls, but she'll take the boys for me sometimes if I'm in a pinch. And I asked oh my her goodness. once I just had, well, like when you have that many, if you just add a few more, you don't even really know that they're there. They all play together. <laughs> I do feel like if I have somebody else's kids, my kids play together better. Anyways, Mm -hmm. I I was like, Rachel, can I, uh, any chance you can take the boys? Uh, And she's like, I don't know. I have, she wasn't sure her schedule is busy. Obviously she has five kids. And she said, what's going on? And I said, well, I have my hair appointment, but it's okay. I can cancel it. And she's like, no, bring them over. I don't believe in canceling hair appointments. I'm like, that is great advice for from a mom of many to not cancel your hair appointment. That's important. So I'm yes. glad you're doing it for your birthday, Mary Pat, but you need to, that that's, it's okay to make that a priority. <laughs> I think it's frustrating because I started graying at such a young age. Like I think it's young. 25 was when I started to gray. Same. And Same. it's just like, it keeps getting worse and worse. And it feels like between the appointments, they just, they just doesn't last nearly as long. So I, it's just like a really mental thing for me. And then I see people like on TikTok or whatever that are like naturally going gray at our age. And I, I just don't think I'm ready for that. Oh, like, absolutely not. I haven't seen that. And that would be traumatizing for me. I feel like it's like, you know, they, it takes like years to get all the way gray. I, I just, I can't yet. I, I, I mentally, can't I cannot do that yet. Same. My mom still colors her hair and it's actually her birthday. We, her birthday is April 27th, but we're having, Oh, she won't hear this in time. It's fine. We're having a surprise party for her this weekend. Oh, so fun. And everyone's like, oh, your mom doesn't look, if I told them her age, I won't, mom. It's okay. Um, she doesn't look that old. And I'm like, well, she colors her hair, you guys, like, since same. I was little. <laughs> same. Yeah. Yeah. My mom's the same way. She's aged gracefully, but she does color her hair. Like, it has my whole life. She was 39 when she had me. And so she probably was already had all gray hair, honestly. Jenna, we're so similar. My mom had me when she was 36. So, so my mom's, mom's older are too. close in age. <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Cool. I know. I, I just know. I know it's a big birthday this year, isn't it? For her. Yes. Yeah. The same for my mom. Yep. They're the same age. 
Yep. <laughs> I guess YouTube will know because I just yeah. did the hand signal. <laughs> this, right? It's fine. Yes. <laughs> okay. I thought there was like one finger missing and I'm like, wait, there's no way my mom's no. 10 years older than you based on that math. No, no. <laughs> oh, goodness. Okay. So I think today we're going to dive into more planting season stuff, but we really did want to talk quickly about why we chose to start the podcast. Mary Pat's been, this has been on her radar for a long time. Right? Yeah, I did. Yeah, this has been, I've wanted to do a podcast for a while, but haven't had the right direction. And I, I just, I approached Jenna because I love how she shares and especially in stories, like the way that you explain things. I already told you all this, but just the way that you explain topics in farming in a way that people can understand, I felt like was so valuable. And then we both come from different backgrounds and have different experiences, but have known each other for a really long time. So I felt like it was a good fit, even though I asked you literally like right after you had Walker. I think I was a week postpartum. Like, yeah, I was, was definitely guys, still bleeding. <laughs> 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 um, it, anyways, I, when she first asked me, I was like, um, that sounds super <laughs> overwhelming right now, but I don't want to say no. So just like, let me sleep on it. And it, I had honestly been praying for what to do next because, I mean, I love sharing on Instagram, but sometimes it feels like I pour a lot of energy into stories and a lot of time educating, and then it, it disappears. And so I had talked to Levi, too, about how do we make a more permanent space for this. And I've blogged here and there, not consistently, because it's just, it honestly doesn't like fuel my fire. But I feel like after you talked to me and I prayed about it, I'm like, this is a way that I we can share more nitty gritty on the education behind ag and even our own personal lives and, um, all the things without it disappearing and without me having to sit down at my computer and type out a blog and upload it to my website. This is just a lot more Mm -hmm. life giving. So it was a good fit. Good. Yeah. And I feel, I mean, that's something that I'll probably have to pay you back for, for a while. No, just kidding. But I did, (laughs) it was burning, but I'm (laughs) glad we're starting. Honestly, this is starting quicker than I thought it would because I really did want to be conscious of you and Walker and postpartum and all of that, but I'm glad we're doing it. And I think it's now that I think about it, it's very on brand for me to dive into something big right after I have a baby. After three (laughs) months after I had Stetson, I started an accelerated nursing program. So it's like a bachelor's in nursing in 11 months. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. And then right after Crawford Crawford was born, that's when we like first started shipping beef and I was literally shipping all the boxes seven days postpartum. Do not recommend. I won't do that again. I have better boundaries this time. So it's like totally on brand for me to just start something new and big right after I have a baby. So good timing. That's wild. (laughs) It was meant to be. That's wild. I think about my postpartum and the most calm one was obviously my first because there's no other kids to like distract you. And plus mm-hmm. I was working for someone. So I had like that de- designated time off. But as- right. after I had my daughter, it was like, that was when I needed to start stocking farm stores with cheese because we were just starting that venture. And I was like the same. I was definitely still bleeding, labeling cheese. And I felt like garbage. I remember oh, yeah. regretting that so much, like g- getting back into it too quick. Well, okay. While we're on the topic, uh, the I feel like women themselves forget and the general population that, yeah, you, you, you had a smooth delivery. You're doing great. There's still a wound the size of a dinner plate on the inside of your uterus where that placenta was attached that has to heal. And so, yeah, when I shipped 50 boxes, seven days postpartum, I was miserable because my body was like, lady, you you have this giant wound. What are you doing? So yeah, we need to take it easy. 
And we're going to do a whole episode on the farm mom, which you guys have to tune into. We're going to give you some of our like advice and um, some of our experiences just from for the farm mom. And that's going to be yes. coming up so very soon. So, okay, you've started planning. Tell me about it. All right. It was crazy. Like we busted loose. So I'm, this podcast is meant to like share the background that we might not even share on Instagram. Some of these like more details. So we have three planters, each of the boys run a planter. Um, so my husband and his two brothers each have one of like a planter that they're the expert on. Okay. I was going to say, do they have their own? Like it's their pet, if you will, or like their baby. Like this is Josh's. Yes. Does it it have a name? It should. (laughs) Oh no. We should probably do that though. No, each of them does though. It's funny. Like, and two of them are on 30 inch rows and they're planting corn for the most part. And then the other one is a 20 inch row planter and that's for our beans. So basically for the most part, one planter does all the beans and the other two do the corn. Um, but this year, Josh started out planting soybeans because there's this benefit to early planted beans that we've seen research on. Plus we're doing food grade beans this year, which we haven't done in a while. And we decided to plant those on 30 inch rows in case we need to come back and cultivate because, um, there's different management programs that you can have on food grade beans. They're non GMO. So you can't like spray a post passive roundup to control weeds. So we might have to cultivate, but I was talking to them this morning about it and they're like, yeah, but I think there's actually more chemicals on the non GMOs. (laughs) So it's something that people don't understand. Yeah, it is. And that needs, that needs talked about because I do think that the general population thinks if it's an on GMO, if it's organic, whatever it may be, that it's never been sprayed with anything. And that is not true. It's just, hasn't been sprayed with anything that's synthetic. Right. So I don't know exactly the chemical program. That's my brother-in-law's department. He's like the super chemical expert. Maybe I could talk to him more about it and get more details for a future episode on that. Like what's the difference between food grade versus our regular uh, GMO E3s that we plant. Absolutely. So, so, okay, you guys, okay, we have uh, quite a few acres in the ground and then we just got snow. So that's a little bit scary, but it'll buff. It'll buff. Like, they haven't yeah, emerged. Yeah. That's the thing. We were, we saw the forecast. We knew what was coming, but the ground was fit in the moment. So we, we went for it and I don't regret it and I don't think we will. Yeah. I'm glad that we, um, at least got out there and started and we'll see how it, how it pans out. But so you guys have done like most of your prep, but you haven't quite started planting yet, right? Well, we sort of, we started planting, I think the, our home quarter, the soybeans on our home quarter. So that'd just be 80 acres. Cause Levi splits it. Uh, we planted last week, but it was a rough start. I think we spent three days getting the planter going. I, they couldn't figure it out. Mm. There's issues with the G- GPS. It wouldn't like set to the AB line. It was very frustrating for Levi, for honestly, everybody too. our hired guy, Joey runs the bean planter. And so I think he felt bad too. He's kind of a sitting duck in the field. Like this isn't working what's going on, but we got it running. I feel like there's always kinks when you start planting. Um, yes. But it's the ground's way too cold. Levi's like, I just don't think it's worth our time right now. So we're kind of on a halt. We do run two planters. We twin row plant our soybeans. So we are on 36 inch rows, which is wide. Like it's so unheard of. And I feel like a lot of times people are like, what are you doing with 36 inch rows? Why are you doing that? But if we were to change to 30 inch or 20 inch or whatever it may be, that's like a multi-million dollar upgrade because we have to change our planters. We have to change everything that we run through the field that relies on the row. We'd have to get a new corn head for the combine. Like it just, it's a huge change. And I think that change will happen eventually, but it just hasn't been a priority for us because they've been yielding fine with what we're, our program is. Anyways, we twin row plant the soybeans. So that means that 
instead of on a 36 inch row, they're on like a, I think a 14 and a 12 inch gap. And so when those beans start coming up, it shade, it like forms the canopy sooner and shades the ground, which that helps with weed prevention. So then less weeds taking over our beans and less need for more herbicide applications because that canopy is formed and the ground is shaded a lot sooner than if we just planted the beans on a 36 inch row. Our corn, we obviously still plant on 36 inch rows. Levi actually has played with twin row planting corn to on like a yield test and it didn't really make a huge difference in yield. And it, the Levi's dad runs the combine generally. And he said it did make it harder to get the combine. Yeah, I bet. Actually, they first taught me how to drive the combine. And I was like, you guys make this sound so much easier. And then they said, well, these are twin row planted. So that's why it's been so hard for you. I'm like, that oh, was they didn't even easy. tell you. They didn't even <laughs> set me up for success. Like I could they tell did it was dirty. They did. Um, Anyway, so yeah, we run it. Usually Joey plants the beans twin row and then Levi will be planting the corn. Um, but yeah, he's very particular about conditions that he plants corn into. And he said, I, you just have to have the right feeling, Jenna. And he hasn't had the feeling. So I don't think it's going to happen. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. I love a farmer's explanation. Like it just has to be right. You know? Yeah. It just has like, to be clear as mud. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We do have some corn in the ground. I don't know. I guess. I think we we try being where we are. We like try to make sure that we're checking germination and cold germ on corn too. So it wasn't in the ground. Like it's not going to get, or it wasn't out of the ground. It's not going to get frosted off, but it'll probably take a long time to come up. So we'll have to see how that looks. Patience is a virtue, especially in farming. <laughs> yes. So what so, kind of corn do you guys plant? We plant, I guess, like brand-wise we have so many different brands and I've worked with farmers in the past. So I can tell you that we're probably brand heavy as far as like not buying too much from any one single brand. Mm -hmm. Um, and we plant a pretty wide range of relative maturity too. So like 99 day corn to about 114 day corn. And basically what that means is like 99 would mean that that corn hybrid would reach maturity faster than the 114 day. And it's all based on like, growing degree unit accumulation um how much heat you have basically is how corn grows um so yeah that's i mean it's pretty gdus too if you ever hear a farmer talk about gdus that's what they're talking about yeah. and i should have looked this up before the episode but there's like a certain number of gdus you have to accumulate before the crop even comes out of the ground and maybe i'll yep. do that while you talk a little bit but yeah why don't you talk about what you guys plant yeah. So we're definitely not brand heavy. I feel like there are families that will only plant a certain brand. And Levi is very much of the mindset that I'll plant your corn, but it has to prove itself on my on my acres using my farming practices. So we always do a pretty big test plot. So that's where we'll take, we'll plant eight rows of a variety uh, and we'll do like several. Like I think in the past we've done up to 35 varieties, which is a lot. It's a really big test plot. It's very time consuming, but it's been worth it to Levi because it's given him so much data on what's yielding best on our ground. And then whatever yields the best on the test plot, he'll kind of consider the conditions that that growing season had and how it held up to wind and different things. And then that's how he'll make his decision on what varieties to invest in the next year. Right now, it's kind of shifted over the past few years, but we plant a majority of channel corn. It yields really well for us. And their stock, their stock strength has been very good in the varieties that we've used. Uh, that's huge for us because we usually get multiple 
high wind, like 90 plus mile per hour windstorms throughout the growing season. So we have to have to have to have corn that can withstand the wind. Um, as far as maturity, we're 109 day to 118 day. So we don't do any of that shorter 99 day. Levi always likes to try to get, well, when harvest rolls around, it's, you never know. Like if some beans are ready, we'll take it. And then we can switch back to corn and vice versa. Uh, like every variety of corn or soybeans that we plant, we do a soybean test plot as well. Not as, as big or intensive as the corn one, but we do test soybeans as well. Um, every variety that we plant definitely earns every single acre that is planted on our farm. I think we're kind of of the same mindset. We don't plant logos. That's what we do. We don't plant them. Uh huh. So yeah. And like there's, there's seed dealers from different companies, even some of our good friends that sell different brands. Levi's like, I will plant your test plot. Give me some test plot seed. I will plant it, but it has to prove itself before I'll invest in it. So that's what I mean Mm -hmm. by we're not brand loyal. Like just because our best friend might sell something doesn't mean we're going to plant that. Like it has still has to have a good yield and a good ROI. Cause I mean, this is a business we're running that's feeding our family. So it has to have an ROI for us to invest in it. Yes. Okay. I found it. Um, for corn to emerge, you need 100 to 120 growing degree days or growing degree units. And that's a calculation. I'm going to say it, but you guys aren't going to remember it. It's fine. <laughs> daily maximum air temperature plus the daily minimum temperature divided by 2 minus 50. So on a day like today, we are accumulating exactly zero growing degree units because we're getting like a high of 30 something. It's just, mm-hmm. it's going to be zero. So yeah. It's basically like your average of your high and low because right. like, divided by two would be an average minus 50. And if our average is below 50, it's going to be zero, <laughs> right? Zero growing degree units. Or I don't think you can actually have negative, but some anyways. farmers will say heat units too. They're, they're talking about the same thing. It's all the same thing. Just different mm-hmm. words for it. One thing that I've learned from our sponsor, Precision Planting, that really stuck with me and changed the way I look at planting is that the planting pass is the only time the farmer gets to play offense. The rest of the season is playing defense with whatever Mother Nature throws our way. We're thankful to have Precision Planting support both for our podcast and for our farmers with their innovative planter technology. Technology from Precision Planting helps us gather information and manage our fields on a higher level. We use information gathered from the 2020 monitor to help us make decisions for the future. When you have four families involved, information is key for everyone being on the same page and making important decisions together. Thanks, Precision Planting. So I would agree with Jenna as far as like choosing hybrids and soybean varieties based on performance. And one thing that we do is we split plant a lot of fields. So we we do a plot too, but we don't plant it. It's actually put on by a company called First Trials, which whenever I mention that to someone, they don't know what that is. It's kind of- I've literally never small. heard of it. If you Google it though, they have trials like all over the corn belt. It's pretty wild. Oh. Um, but anyway, so we do get data from them, but we do a lot of split planting. So in the planter, um, if it's center fill, like bulk plant fill type of planter, We'll put like one hybrid in half and the other hybrid in the other half. So we have like a whole field where we can kind of trial one hybrid next to each other. Um, I've never heard that of that. Lot. We don't have a bulk, Honestly, bulk fill planter. Ours has like a plant of seed box on every row. Our next planter, our planter is mm-hmm. like kind of aging out. We'll be upgrading in the next few years. Uh, but I'm wondering what Levi will choose to go with. He likes the current setup because when we do our test plot, 
uh, we have an eight row combine head, but our planter is 12 rows. So you can plant like eight rows of one variety, four of another. And then when you flip around, mm -hmm. you do like four and eight again, so that it lines up for the combine to make one pass for each variety. But I think on the bulk fill planters, you can add a little box next to it to do test plots still. Yeah, it's like a little unit at each row that you can still do the test plots in. But it's, I don't know, I, I think always test plots are a lot of work. I used to do them in my old job. So you're always going to be vacuuming out seed. And Oh, yeah, you got to get this. I was going to say, there's so many vacuums. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think there's ways to do it. But we definitely do the whole split plant thing. And I also think it helps hedge some risk. Like, um, you know, every hybrid is different as far as, like you said, stock strength and like late season stock quality. That's when we see huge differences because like one hybrid will be like totally falling over and the other one like almost is holding it up sort of like. Oh yeah. It's <laughs> crazy. We had a, so we had, there was a tornado that didn't touch down on our test plot yes last year, but it must have been coming down close at that point. It was low to the ground because it would have like touched down close to our bin site because we that's last year our bin site got annihilated by a tornado. Um, mm -hmm. But Levi was like, this is a bummer because our agronomist said that that field, that was the best corn he had ever seen on that field in 20 years. And so Levi was really excited about its potential. But a bummer that it got that sort of wind damage, but it was good for the test plot because then literally had a side-by-side -side view of which varieties held up best in that type of damage yeah. that it doesn't always happen. But I mean, wind is going to happen in Nebraska. It's just part of it. The field won't always get hit by a tornado, but it's probably going to get some wind damage. Yeah, definitely. You guys have a whole different level of wind than we do. Yeah, here. it's, it's <laughs> insane. Anyways, we plant, I said mostly channel, we plant some pioneer corn as well. In the past, we've done white corn, which is a food grade mm -hmm. product, which is very cool. I went and toured the research facility that's not far from us in York, Nebraska, um, and talked to the corn breeders and the, the white corn breeders and how they, and like how the product is used and where it goes to. And they, with that food grade product, they literally send it to the end user. So like Frito-Lay, if you will, will use it to make Fritos and corn chips and different things. They'll before it even gets to the farmer, the the end user that Frito Lay company is trying to make chips and corn flakes and stuff out of it and see how well it performs before they even decide if that's a variety that the farmers can plant. So that's really cool. Oh, that's we don't cool. do that anymore. Uh, it kind of depends on the year. It that's a whole nother tangent for a different day, but we have done that in the past, which is cool. Right, like as far as like where you can sell the product to, that's a huge part in deciding whether we can do these kind of unique crops like the food grade and whatnot. Yeah. So and I say food grade. So the majority now all of the corn that we plant is honestly used for ethanol production because of where we're located in Nebraska. We have easy access to several ethanol plants. So our corn isn't ending up on somebody's table, but it might be ending up in your gas tank making a clean burning biofuel, which is really neat. And the byproducts go to your beef, right? Yeah. Or some of somebody's beef. They do. Yeah. They'll use the distillers and stuff. That's the byproduct of ethanol production. We don't feed distillers to our cattle, but uh, feedlots do. A lot of feedlots in our area will use those distillers to feed as well, though. Um, we're kind of in a weird, I don't know. Do you guys plant any seed corn? No, we don't. We don't do any seed beans either. So seed corn was a concept for me that was very hard to grasp when I first married a farmer first started dating a farmer, which is funny because I was around it because did you ever detassel growing up? Probably not. If you don't have seed in your area. No. So in Nebraska, like your I first saw it job, happening. 
Yeah. You didn't even have to be a farm kid. Like a lot of kids that worked, that lived in a city, yes. their very first job was detasseling because when you're 12 years old, you're, uh, it's legal for you to work in agriculture. And so they would detassel the seed corn. And so the seed corn, there could be a whole episode on this, but the seed corn is what this, they're growing the varieties that farmers like Mary Pat and I will plant the next year. Mm. So there's seed corn, there's field corn, there's food grade corn, there's sweet corn. There's so popcorn. many popcorn. Oh, how could we forget popcorn? So many <laughs> different types of corn, but we just plant field corn and ours is used for ethanol production. There is a large, some large pork facilities in our area. And sometimes they will buy uh, wet corn and feed it to their pigs. So some, some of it's used cool. for livestock feed, but I would say like 98% of what we grow is used for ethanol production. Mm-hmm. Similar with us. And the, the food grade beans actually... Most of them are exported um, on containers. It's just the market that we have in our area, like rail containers. So. And you're close to the river, aren't you? A big river? Oh, gosh. I think within an hour of, I think it's the Illinois River. Don't quote, I'm not from Illinois. I, I pretty much know Wisconsin geography. And then when someone asks me where something is in Illinois, I'm like, I don't know. I'm not from <laughs> here. Don't ask me that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bring me to the land of quick trips and then uh-huh. I'll tell you where everything is. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, I think both of us, though, both of our farms plant a major or variety of hybrids and soybean varieties and even a variety of relative maturities to hedge risk. That's one of the biggest reasons. Oh, absolutely. Why. You have to spread it out. And with the maturities, you might have mentioned this, but you want it like spreads out your harvest risk, too, I feel like, because then you're only harvesting what's ready when it's ready. Because if once a in our farming practices anyways, like once some corn is ready, we don't want it in the field any longer than it has to be because we don't want it to get too dry because that's mm-hmm. going to cut back on yield. And the drier it gets, the more brittle it gets, the more likely a harvest windstorm is to flatten that. And getting a windstorm during harvest that flattens your field is so devastating because now it's it like literally gone. You can't even harvest it and you can't even put cows on it to graze it because there's too much corn on the ground. It's really sad. So we like to... So, oh, tell me about that. If you can't harvest it is it it'll like make the cows sick if there's too much corn well just if there's too much corn on the ground that you can't pick up with the combine there's they're going to eat the corn first and then they can founder and abort their calf (gasps) i didn't know that yeah wow that's so interesting so you i mean grazing corn stalks it's a great thing but you have to be careful you you have to know what you're doing you have to be able to look at the field and know is this going to be safe or not? Because there has been That's times so in the crazy. past where some wind knocked a lot of corn to the ground and it's like, you cannot put cows on that because they'll abort their calves. Wow. I had no idea. That is yeah. crazy. Uh-huh. But the other thing, as far as like spreading out the relative maturity, it also spreads out pollination. So, you know, like July, end of July for us, when we're pollinating, rain makes corn. Okay. Uh-huh. Like rain during pollination. That's where a farmer's like, that was a million dollar rain. Like not technically yes. for our operation, but like for the farmers in the area, that was like a million dollar rain. Cause Absolutely. the rain helps the pollen fertilize the ear, which we'll talk about more probably during pollination, but having a range so that you're not doing it all within the same week or whatever really helps to hedge risk too. Absolutely. So I don't know through. about you, but planting is way harder on me mentally as a farm wife than harvest is. Oh, me too. Why is that? I've pondered a lot over this last few years because I feel like planting season 
two years ago was kind of like the straw that broke, that broke the camel's back for Levi and I. And Levi was like, Jenna, it's time for you to step back from your full-time job. Like we cannot handle this anymore. It's just so, I feel like harvest, you're so hyper aware and you prepare. Like I prepare all summer for harvest, knowing that it's going to be all hands on deck. My mother-in-law is probably going to be in the field. So if she's in the field, I have all of my kids and I'm bringing all of the meals and then vice versa. If she has my kids, I'm helping in the field and dot, 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 all the things. You're just more mentally prepared for it. I feel like going into planting, Levi's going to be in the tractor and that's the gist of planting. But when you back up and break it down, you almost have a, need a full-time person that's moving seed around, moving fuel around, yeah. making sure the guys are fed. There's just a lot of behind the scenes work that gets looked over because... Harvest is always an all hands on deck. And I feel like it's easy for all of us to forget that it's more than just a guy in the planter. It takes a lot more than that to keep, cause you, you need everybody to keep that planter moving. Yes. And, and I don't know I why it like sneaks up on me. And then it's just very hard mentally to juggle our kids and all the things. For our crew during harvest, we're like, we usually harvest together. So like everybody, bun, bleh, everybody besides the tillage guy is pretty much like in the same field or going to be, you know, when we're planting, there's three different planters. There's two guys on tillage. There's a guy probably spraying. There's some guy running around doing all the other stuff. That guy could be me some days. And right. it is a lot. And especially delivering meals, you're like, oh my goodness, one guy is on the east side of the ground we farm and the other guy's on the west side. And it's literally an hour drive between the two of them. And then you might How get you there and they're on the wrong that? end of the field and you have to wait till they get back to even give them their meal. <laughs> Oh, I put it in the ditch. I don't wait. <laughs> I literally set it it's in the too ditch. too windy here for that. I tell them where it is. You know how Amazon takes a picture and tells you where they put it? That's what I do. I take a picture oh, and say, hilarious. here's your meal. And then I'll get like, oh, thanks for the meal. The delivery was terrible, but thanks for the meal. <laughs> you know what? You got some food. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and actually, you know what? I delivered my first field meal this year <laughs> and it tipped over in my trunk. So it was oh, no. like everything was mixed together. And I just, I apologize, but I'm like, it can only go up from here. <laughs> yes. Uh, do you, do the guys pack lunches sometimes? They pack a, a cold lunch every day, but then we deliver a warm meal every night. And when I say we, since we farm with four families, it's four of the wives also doing that job. So I do like one or two nights a week of field meals, which makes me feel like I can put the effort in that I do. Otherwise I would not be putting in nearly as much right. or like getting takeout more often and stuff like that. So. so it's us and us as in my husband at Levi and I, and then my in-laws. And I feel like this is another reason planting is hard is there's also a family crop insurance business. So when Levi's busy planting, Levi's dad is so busy get, or not just planting, but the field work leading up to planting is so busy getting all of the crop insurance clients signed up and answering their questions. And my mother-in-law helps a lot with the back end of that business. And so they're so busy during this time of year too, that more of it falls on Levi and I to, or myself to keep the guys fed and moving and stuff. Um, so I feel like that's why it's been stressful, but we also, our men are so spoiled and they usually have always gotten a hot meal and it's taken me, I've, this will be my eighth season married to Levi. And it's taken me this long to be like, no, you can pack a lunch sometimes. I am not bringing you lunch every day. We have three children. One of them is literally a month old. I'm not bringing you mm -hmm. a hot meal every day. So I feel like each year I've gotten better at boundaries and being like, okay, we can make this easier for everybody if everybody just pitches in in a little different way. Oh, 100%. And I am a huge like proponent when I talk about this whole field meal slash being the support person 
to do what's best for you and your family. And every family is so different. Like we have a crazy amount of support, which is wonderful on the like field meal side of things. If I was my mother-in-law doing it alone, taking care of three boys, she had three boys and trying to get them a meal every night, it would look a heck of a lot different than it does today. Oh yeah. Like, absolutely. (laughs) No. And they do. So like our big meal is dinner, not lunch. I know that's different for every family too. Oh, so dinner is like five o'clock. I could do a whole episode five. on Levi's upbringing and how good the food was that he grew up with because they have three big meals a day. <laughs> what? Yeah. In high school, Levi jokes, there was a, like probably not every week, but a couple times a month, some of his friends would drive from town, drive past school, go out to the farm and eat breakfast at Levi's house because his parents made such great breakfast every morning. Wow. Food is Levi's love language. I think if you follow me on Instagram, you know that food is Levi's love language. And uh, so, yeah, he was raised on three hot meals a day, which is wonderful. Like my mother-in-law is incredible for doing that. Uh, And so that's what he's been used to. And as he's gotten married and had more kids, we've just had to adjust. Like you might have to have a sandwich once or twice, but just remember that you are blessed. And some most people eat a cold lunch every day all year long. (laughs) Yes. Yes, that is wild. We definitely did not have that. I mean, but growing up on a dairy farm, the main meal was lunch, not dinner. So yeah, that was different. So so a lot of times since Levi, it depends on how he's been better this year with having three kids that he'll shut down. He'll come home, eat supper, put the kids to bed and then go back out. But Mm -hmm. most of our acres are very close to our home, like within 10, 15 miles Wow. Okay. Um, but during planting, so we, I've, I've been asking him, I'm like, okay, we're getting really close to planting. What's your game plan? I don't care if you're going to stay late. I just want to know ahead of time so that I can plan, but he will usually, if he's going to go till midnight or something, I'll try to bring him supper. Let the boys tell him good night. If it's just going to be nine, 10 o'clock, he honestly likes to just get done, get home, eat a hot meal and go to bed. I don't blame him. I mean, it's not fun to eat in a moving tractor. Like no. nobody really truly enjoys that. And yeah. I think that our guys would do that too if it was an option. But like our, if you were to like drive our all of our fields in a in a circle or whatever, it would probably take you three hours. Like right. just where we're we're spread out so far. And luckily, because we have so much support, if I make a meal, a lot of times like my sister in law will take out a couple of them if they're on the west side, and I'll take out a couple of them or north south. You know if they're spread out, we kind of communicate that this time of year to help it be easier on each other. Oh yeah. Communication is so huge. Yes. We need to do a whole episode on that. I think. (laughs) Agreed. We too, especially for lunch. So, I mean, I did set a boundary. I'm not bringing you hot lunch every day, but if I'm in town for an appointment or running an errand, I will say, okay, I'll pick up lunch in town. What do you want? And my mother-in-law will do the same thing. If she's in a bigger town, she'll just grab lunch on the way home and Yep. We do that sometimes too. It's super nice. I think with planting too, we just have to remind ourselves that we're all in this together and we're not alone. I feel like it can get lonely because my husband's in the tractor so much and I'm home so much. So just we're all in this together. It's all totally a team effort. Absolutely. I love it. So thank you so much for hanging out with us for this episode of Beyond the Crops. We had a lot of fun chatting about our planting season, and we look forward to doing many more episodes in the future with you. If you liked this episode, please don't hesitate to leave us a review and share with others you think you might love to listen in. See you next time. We wanted to give one more thank you to our launch sponsor, Precision Planting. Thank you for supporting us and believing in Beyond the Crops.